Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My daughter's graduating and it's the end of the school year for me. So he's kind of taken over a little bit. But uh, before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout to our sponsor, CoachingYouthHoops.com. If you're a youth basketball coach, if you're looking for resources, if you're looking for the one-stop shop for practice plans, for fun drills, for out-of-bounds plays, for man defense, zone defense, whatever you're looking for, um, for one price for the entire year, an all-access pass, um, it's you're never going to find a lower price than you find right now. Go over and check it out. Coach Bill and I are super excited about the time that we've spent uh, building this for all the youth coaches and all the youth players out there um, in the world. So go over and check it out at coachingyouthhoops.com. And let's head off to the podcast. Coaches, welcome to another episode of Coaching Youth Hoops. Today we have a guest uh, with us, probably a familiar face. Uh, I've seen him on the show before, but we wanted to bring him back. Uh, to talk about something, a serious topic. So this one's going to be a little bit more serious than we've done in the past. Uh, but we have uh, uh, coach and psychologist and professor. What else, dad? That's good. Uh, Dad's the right? one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could have started with that. Sorry, David. Uh, uh, so David wrote, See, I told you I would do it. Radosovich. Radosovich. Oh, my goodness. Radosovich. We'll have to fix that on the edit. Uh, all right. We, today's topic is all about anxiety, dealing with anxiety, recognizing anxiety uh, in youth sports. So uh, it is, I think, and, you know, we were talking off the air. Is it a growing problem? Is it a problem that is just being labeled um let's just dive into it i got a ton of questions for you i'm sure a lot of coaches you know you know turn up the volume here on this one uh because i what i hope at the end that we can walk away with a few things that we can help our kids uh deal uh, as they're going deal or how to deal with anxiety as they're going through um this or going through anxiety on our team so with that said fumbled the whole first part of that david uh but let's dive into what is what is anxiety and what isn't anxiety what's the line yeah great question so glad to be here a uh, really important topic that oftentimes goes under the radar for coaches mm-hmm. um, so anxiety we tend to think of it as something that can be mental or physical how our athletes are feeling and it can be something that's very scary. So our goal then is to ask, how can we 
be aware of anxiety? And is mm -hmm. it crippling our athletes both on the court and off the court? Um, and I think an important point is that sports oftentimes provides the first taste of anxiety for kids under the spotlight. Um, you know, whether it's taking that game time free throw or if it's those butterflies in their stomach, all those things are, are, are common, they're exciting. Uh, and oftentimes we talk about that as just nerves um, and anxiety mm -hmm. that goes mm -hmm. above and beyond that. And I think anxiety really gets at this, this notion where the fear or worry becomes so strong uh, and it's silent, it's hidden to us on the outside, but it's so strong and uh, these kids feel it so immensely that it really impacts their ability to function effectively in terms of performance on the court, in terms of performance in the classroom, how they interact with their peers. So anxiety is really a crippler when it comes to performance on all areas of life. Well, you know, the reason I wanted to have you back on the show to talk about this is it's come up in a big way uh, with some youth players that I've been working with. And how it turned out, I was doing a camp and I saw this girl walk in. She was, you know, getting dressed, getting her shoes on, doing the whole thing. She was, you know, she got there 10 minutes early, like she's, you know, like she's supposed to, waiting for the other group to transition out. And her group was coming in. And uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes go by. She's with her dad. And I see them walk out. I'm like, oh, that's strange. And I was, you know, I got caught up in doing everything that I was doing to get the get the camp going or the clinic going and didn't think of anything of it. I thought, oh, maybe she got sick. Maybe something came up, what have you. And what the her dad told me at the next time I saw him was she just got this sick feeling because she didn't see any of her friends there. And she wanted to leave. Yeah. Right. Um, now I took that as, yeah, she, there's a form of anxiety, right? There's anxiety that she wasn't going to be around her friends. They weren't there. She had to meet new people, you know, whatever it might be. Right. And then that was the first one. And at the same camp, I had another young lady whose dad, well, the first time it happened, the girl, she was playing and then she sat out and, and I said, you know, of course, I went over after what was wrong. And she said, oh, I'm just not feeling well. I'm like, okay, just sit. She goes, is it okay if I call my dad and have him pick me up? I'm like, of course, right? If you're not feeling well, right? Um, well, later, her, again, her dad came and said, you know, she's been dealing with anxiety at school. And that's what you saw the week prior. So my question to you then is, again, are are our kids getting diagnosed with anxiety more so than ever? Did something change in society? Did we going back to this labeling? Is it now just a label and those butterflies now become anxiety and our parents, doctors making a bigger deal about it other than just, Hey, now you got butterflies. We're all nervous. I get nervous before every game. I always tell my players that I don't care if I'm doing third grade girls or high school, I get those butterflies in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, so the short answer is yes, it's on the rise. Thank you, COVID. Uh, thank you, technology. Mm. And thank you, helicopter parenting. So those are mm. three tsunami forces that have actually saw that have actually contributed to an uptick in the amount of anxiety. So there's one survey, uh, uh, I believe about a 
2020 from the National Institute of Mental Health that found one in three teenagers between the ages of 13 and 18 are going to experience anxiety at some point in their lives, and many are experiencing it now. And that's from a psychological diagnosis. So mm. your psychological diagnosis, having an anxiety disorder, that means it's impacting your ability to function normally in daily life and you need some help. That's pretty severe. And then there's mm. a lot of the other two thirds. Some are flirting with that psychological diagnosis, but not clinically diagnosed. So uh, I would say, yes, uh, anxiety, fear is a hidden pandemic that is affecting this generation in ways that you and I never had to deal with, Bill. Mm. Um, our, our life growing up, we hopped on a bike and we met some friends uh, at, the, at the park. Yeah. Uh, we are back. We solve problems on our own. Today's kids, it's a different world. They're born with a cell phone in their in their hands. What does that mean? Well, they're on social media and comparisons are the biggest culprits of contributing to fear on social media. Um, and so research has clearly shown that uh, uh, social media has shown an increase in um, anxiety. Also, parenting styles have changed. Um, yeah. as the world becomes scarier and dangerous and we look at school shootings and all these other things, parents tend to hover a little bit more. The, un the unintended side effects is that we don't allow our children to solve problems the way you and I had to solve problems when we were growing up. Things yeah. are done for them. So in your example of she just disappeared, you know, how do we solve that problem? My friends aren't here, you know you and I might say, well, they might be here in two minutes. They might be here in five minutes. How can I just be at peace and get ready and go shoot? So it, it's when you see it in things like that, underneath the things that are hidden are really boiling up in a big way in kids' minds uh, because of all mm. these, the, these global factors that psychologists have been studying for a while. But as coaches, mm -hmm. we go into the setting and we're just focused on, all right, how do I get practice set up? How do I get the best yeah. out of them? And often it's not on our radar that kids might be suffering. They might be bullied. Uh, they might not have the skills to, to handle little things. And it just boils up in them. Well, that's a, that's a good point is how, as a coach, I mean, I think the examples that I gave and I've experienced recently are pretty, they're, they're evident. The girl walked out with her dad, right? Cause it built up into her. And I'm sure you know, I have a daughter and, you know, she's precious to me. And, you know, and we'll, you know, I, I try to walk that line where I'm like, okay, you're here, you know, quote unquote, deal with it. Right. And, you know, but then I look at her in the eyes and, you know, she, she, anyway, I know you have a daughter too. So you know what exactly what I'm talking about. She gives you that look. And yeah. um, then there's the other, then there's the lesser, like the, the, it's not, quite that bad yet but there's the butterflies or maybe it's the advanced in between that um you know again i had, another, I had a girl on my high school team who would she would get so sick before every game she'd go and vomit and come back and she was fine but she built all of this up in in inside of her uh, so as a coach let's talk about some early warning signs and then of course what can we do about so early warning signs, what are some things we should look for? They, you know, they're not going to, Oh, I'm anxious. Right. Or they're not going to come out and say it. So what do we look for? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at performance anxiety, 
within it, the, the, the kind of the butterflies, right? It's, are they apprehensive? Yeah. Um, do they say, oh, you know, my stomach's acting up, I got butterflies. Sometimes they might have clammy hands or fatigue uh, or muscle tension. Mm. So those are, you know, some of the, the common symptoms in the performance situation. So outside of that, when we look at anxiety, we may find people to withdraw. Uh, they might not be able to hold a good conversation. They seem distant. Um, and sometimes that's confusing. Are they just shy? Are they not? So we look for consistent behavior over mm -hmm. time. It's like, wait, they're a little more quiet than usual. Um, and so, you know, on my teams, it, I, I noticed differences on big test days in the school. I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. Good you know, point. Everybody yeah. seems to, you know, to do well. Am I going to get yelled about my parents, et cetera? So expectations are so high and it's, it's noticeable, but being on the radar, Fortunately, having a daughter, I know, oh, they had a test today, so I can kind of forecast. So yeah. there's things we can do. Be aware of some of those signs. Do you notice changes in behavior from the norm? Um, and then don't focus setting, on setting high expectations right away. I like to kind of create a fun environment, whether that's music. Music is a great way to get mm -hmm. relaxed, loosen up as kids. So maybe just have something playing as they warm up. Um, Another great thing coaches can do after the awareness is always focus on praising effort over results. Uh, to me, that's the first principle rule of thumb. Um, mm. So avoid giving instructions that really put extra pressure on your athletes. So we have to score on this play. No, you really don't. We just have to show up, <laughs> do our best. It run yeah, the play as yeah. best we can. It's not the end of the world if we score. We don't. Yes, we want to, but how we phrase things, effort is important. You um, must have different parents uh, in the Midwest than we do out here in the West, because no, we need to score every time we touch the ball. No exception. <laughs> yeah, it's alive and well, but, but, but I think as a coach, I hear your point though. No, you're yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and that is a, that actually brings up a good point too. And sorry to cut you off, but as you were talking about that, parents are a huge cause of it as well. And I think sports brings it out even more. We see, we hear, we see, we experience the ugly side of sports and, and, and sport parents. Yeah. And what can parents do themselves? What's the, what what should they do? You talked about coaches should, you know, we should applaud the effort, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm assuming same thing for parents. They should applaud the effort. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we have, a, you know, in our area, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the, the pressure to perform in the classroom, the pr pressure to perform on the court. Right. The profession, you know, and, you know, the pressure to get into a great school. Right. All of that is a buildup. And, you know, some kids can handle it really well and some can't. OK. Long winded way of saying, well, what do we do if we're a parent? Our kids are playing sports. This is the, uh, I think the best uh, uh, advice I can give a parent. There's a lot of advice, but this one I think is golden. <laughs> After yeah. the game, the first thing anybody, a parent should say to the kid is, boy, I really enjoyed watching you play. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Period. 
But man, that coach, he doesn't know how to coach. Is that the second thing they say? We can take it. We can take it. But but there's something to that. And it's usually uh, the post-game recap on the car ride home that just fuels Mm -hmm. self-doubt and anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes parents are living out their dreams again through their kids. And, you know, anybody can be a great Monday morning quarterback or you should have done this in the game. But it's not our show. We've had our day in the sunlight when we are doing yeah. sports. Now it's their chance to learn how to pr- solve problems in the moment, how to deal with adversity, how to celebrate wins successfully. So I would say have a positive post game on the ride home. And the first words out of, out of your mouth should be, I really enjoyed watching you play today. And then just mm-hmm. wait mm-hmm. for a response. And then as you start to get in the post game comments, remember that, uh, you know, the, the best time to make corrections is with the coach the next practice. And I give this feedback to coaches as well. Uh, you know, don't necessarily show the film, so to speak, right after the game, whether it's literal film or just you talking about it, but just let it reside. These are kids. You know, these aren't professional athletes. So I think that one has tremendous bang for their buck. And then also expectations are so critical. Um, mm-hmm. ask, ask your kids what success looks like for them. Yep. And you'll be surprised on the answers. Oftentimes it's the ice cream after that's number one on their mind. Uh, if you're talking with real little ones in high school, it might yeah. Be yeah. just fitting in and being with my friends. Um, so asking them what success means for them and setting expectations off of that as a starting point, as opposed to imposing, um, you know, how many points you score a game, how many rebounds you get. That stuff's all nice, but at the end of the day, you know, they can't always control that. That's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then what about, um, well, the relaxation technique. So, you know, one of the things that I created out of this, you know, I, I, I saw this in my own son's performance um, was the, what we talked about was the, the red dot, right? And so the red dot is this combination of the game on the court and, the, and winning the game in your head. And, the one of the relaxation techniques we use is literally a red dot between your, and I think I've talked about this on the show between your index finger and your thumb. So if you're watching this on video, I'm pointing to that right now, we just put a little red dot there. So when you get those butterflies in your stomach, you start, you missed a shot. You're worried about what the outcome is going to be. Is the coach going to take me out of the game? You know, this game is getting close. You know, I tell the players just, Grab that little red dot, push on it, and th- what it, you know, it's a pressure point. One, but two, also just mentally a reset. Like, okay, everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. So we talk about this red dot, which is drive open together. That is a relaxation technique that we use. Mm-hmm. Now I know you have a ton of other things and, uh, that you might give to coaches tools that they could use to share with the kids. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I think one of the most impactful tools is the throttle in our body. So when we're driving cars, right, the engine's throttling up, mm-hmm. throttling down, yeah. we have the same ability in our body. And that is through breath work. Any mm-hmm. professional sports you watch, you see them using breath work between the, before they take free throws or whatever it is. And what's yeah. happening yeah. is, can regulate the mind by regulating our breath work. And then when we regulate our breath work, we can regulate our behavior. Um, 
So hmm. one interesting fact is during the recent March Madness, the University of Marquette, uh, uh, during one time out, their peak performance coach actually had them do breath work and the commentators mentioned it. So oh, that's wow. they chose to use a two minute timeout yeah. game because they understand the importance of just taking deep breath, calming ourselves mm -hmm. down. And we're trying to slow down the fight or flight response that's activated in the sympathetic nervous system and switch to yeah. this parasympathetic, slow it down. And when we slow it down, that's where we can start to get rid of those butterflies. So I like your technique with the red dot. Uh, uh, it's just another way to be present and to calm ourselves or whether it's just a simple breath in or out. And then there's other techniques that psychologists uh, will teach about cognitive reframing uh, in the moment as well. Um, you know, I didn't fail, but rather I learned a new way not to do something. I can do it. Differently <laughs> yeah. So, so reframing in the moment as well is a great tool because it's quick, it's easy. And uh, so those are three go-tos that I think are really important that you can pull out in the moment. Um, but in practice, there's things you can do to set the stage for this. Okay. Uh, and what, like, yeah, uh, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we already talked about praising effort over results. That's mm -hmm. built the culture that I show up for efforts because I always can't mm -hmm. control the uncontrollables, the scores, things like that. The second thing I would tell coaches is focus on muscle, muscle memory. So a lot of studies have shown that when we stay out of our heads, when we're performing acts, uh, we have, we create muscle memory and that muscle memory, then when it's just second nature, we can perform better. So the classic is Michael Jordan shooting a thousand shots a day in the off season mm. muscle mm. memory. Why do you think Steph Curry is so right. great? It's yeah. muscle memory. Right. The second uh, part I would say in practice, try to simulate game day as much as you can, uh, whether that's piping in noise or the pace game speed or how you do your substitutions. Um, so those are some great efforts, praising effort over results, muscle memory, and then simulate game day in practice are mm. set the stage for us to deal with those butterflies more productively. That's awesome. That's good feedback. And, you know, um, what about the athletes themselves? What is, you know, you talked about breath. If they have a game coming up or, they're feeling anxious. Um, would you know? Imagine these things, or it's like a it's a muscle, right? And you have to practice it and use it, and over and over again until you get better at it. But how does how does how does how does an a young athlete recognize that? Okay, I'm getting anxious. Mm -hmm. and, and then, what are some tools that they can use right away um, to like? Okay. This is just, you know, it's just a game and we'll be fine at the end, whatever. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I would give them the same advice. I've, I've given um, some athletes at the Olympic level and a few professional mm -hmm. athletes sitting in their respective Hall of Fames right now. Same advice. <laughs> One, that's great. That those feelings are a warning signal. What you do with that warning signal is where mm. success happens or success doesn't. So I actually embrace anxiety and the greatest athletes in the world embrace anxiety as, oh, that's a warning signal. Now I can make changes to how I'm going to handle the situation. Um, so it's the old Bruce Lee quote, be the water, right? So the idea is if a opponent's <laughs> coming at you with force, 
don't freak out. Just use that momentum. Hey, coach. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. A couple things. First of all, stop that treadmill. Go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial, resources, community, office hours, you name it, we got it. It's Hulu, Amazon Prime, and Netflix all put together with mentors, with community, with coaches who want to help each other, with me, a one-on-one call, someone that's been through the battle. So go over and check it out. Also, pause. Uh, go look at uh, uh, go look at uh, iTunes and leave a uh, review. We would really appreciate that. Those five-star ones really help a lot. Talk to you soon. Don't freak out. Just use that momentum to your advantage. And those mm-hmm. athletes who can, when they start feeling their heart pounding faster, their hands getting clammy. Ah, that's it. Let me take a deep breath. Let me cognitively reframe this. Let me trust my talents. I've done great things. I've done hard things in the past. I can do them here. We practice this. I've got this. I trust my teammates. Um, So those are some good things. I also a big fan of imagery. Some people call it visualization. Visualization is Mm -hmm. using just one sense, but imagery takes in all the senses. So I will routinely Mm. tell athletes in practice, let's engage in imagery. Think about a time when we had a wonderful victory. How did it feel? What were the smells? What did you sound? How are you feeling inside? And just a few moments of engaging in mental rehearsal or imagery is a great way as well for people to experience those emotions at fast heartbeats, maybe a little bit of butterflies in the stomach. And I say, butterflies are great. It's our job to get those butterflies to fly in formation. And that's the mark of someone who can control that anxiety. It's foolish for a coach to say, we can't have anxiety. It's part of the human experience. We have to embrace it. It's the fuel to get us going. But those who use adaptive strategies can use that fuel for good, as opposed to maladaptive strategies where they shrink under pressure and they choke. Now, is the is this kind of like the the flight or flight feeling? Is it the same? Is it is that anxiety where you're feel, you know you're being chased by a lion, right? Um, you know, I'm in, I'm going into a game. Is that the same thing? It is. That's, thing? That's, that's how we're wired. So that uh, so yeah. stimuli comes at us. We quickly the mm-hmm. fight or flight response quick uh, kicks in, and we have to determine is there a risk or isn't there. Right. So yeah. obviously with the lion coming at us, unless it's the Detroit Lions, then we're not too scared. But is it coming at us? Uh, um, you know, and then we kick in. But in a game situation, that same fight or flight response can kick in. But people can realize, oh, I've seen this before. It's a different zone. It's a different man coverage. Or uh, I haven't seen this athlete. T- you know, they, they're four inches taller than they were last year. Whatever it is, we process that. Uh, and those who are able then to let me calm myself, let me think, oh, coach taught me this. I can reframe that and then use the skills that are taught. So it's those, mm-hmm. those microsecond adjustments are, uh, are what separates um, people who can deal with anxiety from those who tend to get um, tripped up by it. Yeah, no, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what about resources and tools available to coaches? Yeah, so you know we're partnering right now with you to provide some resources yeah. as well. Um, so th- that's going to be a great one that you can get in the practice plans. And then beyond that, there's some great articles uh, on sports psychology pages as well about what to deal with signs of performance anxiety. Um, in particular, 
understanding that how can I thrive under pressure? And there's cognitive strategies and physical strategies and then emotional support strategies. And I think as a coach, it's important to say, all right, how can I help uh, um, my athletes relax their muscles? How can I help them use imagery or music or visualization? Mm. How can I uh, uh, change their thinking <laughs> when I hear comments like, I suck at this, I'll never be great. That's a challenge as a coach to say, no, you're just not as great as you want to be yet. But boy, we're going to practice hard and get you better. Um, obviously, exercise is huge, but sports is fueled by it. Um, yeah. I would also emphasize how are they eating? I've had so many athletes come starving mm -hmm. to practice. So, uh, you know, I took out a second mortgage on the house to bring snacks to the practice <laughs> every day. But I thought it's a small price to go you know, Costco and, you know, box yeah. that's going to last me a couple of weeks. And they were just ravenous. Like they were, you know, teenage boys, yeah. great girls. Um, and then I would also say, take time to recharge. So as the athletes are coming from school, I say, have they had a chance to recharge because they're wired. They might've uh, tests or just learning and uh, uh, social right. pressures. So I always make sure I give them a chance to unwind. So I just kind of let free play time at the beginning of the practice with a little music going, if possible. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if the team's small enough, I will spend the first 10 minutes going to every single athlete and just asking, hey, do you learn anything in school today that you can stump the coach? Or, hey, how was your day? What was the best thing that happened? So I try to make one personal connection just to humanize it. And so they're not going from a highly charged environment to another highly charged mm. environment. The mind has to settle and reset for us to be optimal performance. No, well, I and I, I hope this doesn't come. Uh, well, I'll just say it. Uh, I've noticed a difference between boys and girls, mm -hmm. and the way I do practice and start practice. And some people are like, oh, you know, no. Like I notice that when I have better practices, um, and, and again, I see this more in the girls if we get together, we talk, or they get together and they talk, or they talk and stretch at the same time. And that conversation, I mean, you alluded to that by, you know, that you take the first few minutes and talk, you know, and connect with someone. Uh, is that a thing? I mean, is it, is there a difference between men and women when it comes to anxiety and having to going from a charged environment and, you know, kind of slowly getting into a potentially another charged environment, kind of ramping up. <laughs> so a couple layers to that onion. The first one I'll peel is the <laughs> common, common denominator, and that's our physiology. Physiology okay. is the same in males and females. Um, so that fight or flight response, how we get anxious, et cetera. So the biological mechanisms by which we calm ourselves are the same. And that yeah. is kind of settling ourselves. Now there are differences in terms of how, uh, males and females perhaps like to interact with each other. Uh, you know, stereotypically, females may talk more, right? And boys may be more action-oriented. Um, and the research shows that, unfortunately, females experience anxiety at higher rates than males, especially mm -hmm. in teenage years. So we yeah. have, to, have to do that. So I guess as a coach, I would say, how can I meet them where they're at? And so yeah. if letting off steam is just free play, shooting free throws, cracking jokes with each other for the guys, then ride that out. And if for the ladies, maybe it's more chit chat than I as a coach should probably give the space 
for that to occur, knowing that that's going to serve me better as a coach because I can manage their uh, um, their energy levels that they're bringing to the practice. Yeah, no, that, no that's great advice right there. Uh, and let's do, so coming back kind of full circle, and I want to highlight something you brought up and you touched upon, which is, uh, this is to benefit all the coaches. You know, I, I met Dave, uh, David through actually uh, basketball practice plans, and he's a customer, and we started chatting online. And we got together, had these conversations because we knew there was a hole to fill. And that hole to fill is this game in your head. And what we want to be able to deliver to coaches is a way for them to recognize a lot of these issues and speak to them in practice because it does affect playtime. So, you know, today we're talking about anxiety, but uh, we're coming out with modules that is going to talk about communication and confidence and conflict resolution and a, bunch, and a number of other ones. Uh, because I feel that, you know, we talked about with COVID, things have changed with, you know, these are the stuff that as coaches, if we're looking to change lives, these are life-changing things that we can help our kids with. So David has uh, come up with the, the curriculum uh, and these exercises and, you know, his team as well. And we're going to tackle uh, these topics one by one through this podcast and arm coaches with the information they need to help uh, their kids um, and their, their, their athletes work through some of these issues. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, you know, coaches be able to have a blueprint in front of them uh, that they can just look. So we're not psychologists like you. This is your study. This is your passion. This is what you love. We're coaches. We love basketball, right? Um, but we know the mental side of the game. And if we can improve the mental side, even with the young kids, we know they're going to be better people and better players. And that really truly is our our should be our goal as a coach. Um, but let's now with that said, let's recap. Okay. So um, give me three things, bullet points of what uh, an athlete can do to deal with anxiety. Give me three things that a parent can do and three things that a coach can do. And there might be obviously some overlap, but let's just go through. So let's start with the kids first. Uh, what can I do as an athlete if I'm starting to feel anxious? Yeah. Three bullet points. Yeah, absolutely. The first is uh, um, breath, uh, manage your nervous system. Okay. Uh, and breath work is a great way to do that. You're in control of your body and your physiology, and then your physiology will influence the level of anxiety. So I'm a big fan of just a simple breath. I'm a big fan of cracking mm-hmm. jokes. Uh, I'm a big fan of connection with other teammates as as ways to get out of my head with the anxiety and worry and then do something that's more positive. The second tip I would give for athletes is set realistic expectations uh, in terms of how you set goals for yourself and your team. Um, and that's important. And then that, that ties into how do you measure success? What does success look like? Is it learning new skills? Mm-hmm. Is it having fun? Um, and then uh, another tip I would say is try to do one hard thing a day. How can you build mm. that mental toughness 
And research clearly shows that by doing one hard thing a day and building grit or mental toughness, we're better able to be resilient and adapt to when life throws us difficult situations or curveballs. So those are some practical. So I, I should uh, tell my daughter, who is an athlete, to make sure she cleans her room, does her dishes, and maybe a few other hard things because it'll benefit her mentally in the long run. It's all in the market. Oh, and Bill. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I love it. Okay, so let's move on to parents. Yeah. Uh, now, what, what are three things that parents can either help their children through or, I guess, not make them so anxious when it comes to sports? Yeah, for, for parents, I tell you, um, model the way. Kids pick up so much. So mm. they experience frustration. That's one of the biggest causes of anxiety. You know, how is the home life going? Are expectations too high? Are mom and dad fighting? Uh, do I see all of this? Uh, so model the way and how we cope with, with challenges. Uh, kids are sponges. They pick it up quickly. Uh, the next element I would say is be generous. The world is changing in ways that we did not have to deal with as kids. Mm. Uh, I mentioned the social media, the amount of pressure on kids. Right. Is so I'm a big fan of limiting social media for kids as much as possible. Um, I, I know it's tough to completely wipe it out, but can you put constraints on it? Um, and, the, and the third part I would say is um, be curious over being judgmental. Mm. So in particular, that's where my comment about saying after the end of the game, I really enjoyed watching you play. Yeah. That sparks open conversation and say, what did you like most about your performance tonight? What was the most fun? Or if there's one thing you want to work on for next practice. So being curious sets the stage for conversations with kids and parents much more though. And said, ah, you had four turnovers. What were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> so those are three things I would say for parents. And I can guarantee you that's going to grease the wheels for uh, better conversations. And then also to enhance the relationship and, and I think just to put sports in its place, it's a wonderful resource we as humans have to, to learn new skills, to stay in shape and form connections. It's not a direct ticket to the NBA. And so parents <laughs> well, often need that uh, realization. Well, you, you just, and I know we got it. We're going to go through and this, we're doing a recap, but I just thought of another question that I often think about is and maybe not so much at the younger level, but it does happen. The anxiety is that keeping stats. Okay. And it's either, like you said, the turnovers. Oh my gosh. I just, I caused 12 turnovers by myself. Right. Or our team did, or anxiety over, you know, not scoring or somebody else is scoring more and anxiety over playing time, but let's playing time is different. Let's just talk about the stat side of the stat sheet. Yeah. Right. And, you know, one through 12. Now I look at that, you know, player one through 12 and, you know, player one scored, you know, 20 points and then so on and so forth. And maybe the 12 players scored zero points um, rebounds. I always try to highlight something for the players, but at the same time, I I'm wired where if I was number 12, I'm like, that's never going to happen again. Like I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to make sure not that I'm always trying to score, but I'm going to make myself better um, to, you know, maybe look at one of those stats lines where I'm not so good. So measuring from a coach's perfect uh, perspective, what we need to measure to help us improve 
might be causing anxiety in the kids we serve. Mm-hmm. Great so, question. Yeah. 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 So I would say one, feedback should be a gift. It shouldn't be a, uh, you know, a derailer that cripples people and causes anxiety. So one, I would say, what is your dashboard of success? And yes, we need stats and the stats line, the box scores, et cetera. But are there other things? So uh, some of the, the teams with the greatest cultures have a bigger dashboard of metrics and that, that's culture. So uh, uh, is everybody mm. standing and cheering each other on? Uh, uh, I don't care if you're the, the last player on the bench or the captain. Are you leading the team and, and helping people contribute in small ways, whether it's getting the water bottles, whether it's handing a towel to someone, whether it's cheering them on? Uh, so how mm-hmm. do you monitor those? And you can get a, an assistant to keep track of that. And that's always fun to do. Uh, there's there's notable like that, yeah. of college teams that only give stickers on the helmets in football for team metrics, not individual metrics. Mm. Uh, your mm-hmm. red dot mm-hmm. philosophy, that should be the most cherished yeah. award that athletes can receive. So how, what contributes to getting that red dot? So feedback is a gift, but most people don't uh, feel that way. They think feedback is judgment and condemnation, which contributes to my anxiety. So us as coaches have yeah, to yeah. it. We can't get better without feedback, but here's more than just the box score. That's important. Don't get me wrong. But other things I think are more important, those skills that matter after the ball stops bouncing. And that's where we really want to get over the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's great advice. Okay. Uh, last one, coaches. What are three things uh, coaches can do? Yeah. So we talked about praising effort for results. Yep. We talked about muscle memory. So let them practice, practice, practice. So it becomes second nature. And then we talked about try to simulate game day as much as you can so that they get the feel for it. And I'm going to throw in a fourth one because it's so important that post game, positive post game, both for the parents and for the coaches. Mm. So, uh, you know, so uh, give me a, like, uh, what, what would be a post game uh, activity or a po- what would a post game look like in the perfect situation? Yeah. Ice cream, cookies. No, <laughs> 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 no. So uh, it varies, but there's one common thread I usually recommend uh, as we wrap up, whether I have 30 seconds or two minutes before the, the little munchkins run off. Yeah. So different high school you can control them I, I usually go around and say what's one thing that you did great at and then what's one thing we can work on in practice and it's usually one word i just go around quick and then i always end i really glad i was your coach and i got to see you play today and then that's it so some that's variation it. of that upbeat positive uh, um and have everybody go around so someone might say one thing positive one thing they can improve on but I want to see smiles, whether you lost by 40 or you won by 40. You know, uh, what came up for me using that situation, and maybe this was a culture thing that I needed to deal with, was well, when I said, you know, give me one thing that you thought you did well, or even give me one thing you thought a player on your team did well. Yeah. Okay? It was, I got the feedback, which is really interesting, of, Coach, after we lose, we don't really want to talk about the things we did well. We're just not in the mood to talk about it, right? And, you know, I'm I'm no different on the podcast than I am with my team. You know, I don't – I'm pretty positive with them. So that kind of 
caught me off guard. Yeah. Like, oh, like, so anyway, with that, what, what would you have done or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, how could I have helped uh, to change that situation? Yeah. My guiding principle as a coach, I'd rely on that and say, what is the culture I'm trying to build? Am mm-hmm. I trying to build the culture where people shrink under pressure and don't want to talk about that? Or do I want to build the culture where mm. people say, yeah, I just stunk today, but at least I have the resiliency to say, yeah, I can admit that. And I can put that behind me. So I would want to create a culture where I wouldn't let them shy away from tough situations because that's the one hard thing they could do mm. for your build yeah. toughness over time. This isn't a one-off. And I think as coaches, oftentimes we see these kids say, all right, I get it. You're hurting, but that's an opportunity for us as a coach to rise above and say, I feel your pain. But uh, tomorrow's going to be better. And let's just focus on one thing we can do next time that's even better. And if they don't come up with it and say, uh, uh, as the adult, as a coach, maybe we plant the seed and say, and always a team focused, not an individual. All right, as a team, we didn't box out very well. So uh, we'll spend a little more time making sure our footwork is good and we get the the right leverage. Don't worry, Mm -hmm. we'll do this next Mm -hmm. time. So as a coach, we have to adjust and read the room but not let them shrink under the pressure. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. Coach, this is awesome. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with, with us. I, I learned a ton. I want to go back, take some notes uh, on this one, um, because I just think it's, um, it's such a, uh, you know, as coaches, for most of us, we're not trained to deal with this or look for it or how to handle these situations. So this was uh, meaty, thick, uh, and I look forward to our future conversations as we dive into the mental side of the game. So um, we're blessed to have you on the show. We appreciate it. Uh, keep up the the great work, and we will see you soon. All right. Thanks for the time. It's a pleasure as always. All right, Coach. Take care. Yeah. Bye now. Social Podcast Network.